0: We all want to be successful, whatever success means to you, that is. Maybe it's a dollar amount in your bank account, or a certain type of car you'd like to own someday. Or even a certain type of home you'd like to have in the future. Whatever your idea of, quote, making it is, we all want to win in life. Period. When you look on Instagram, or any other social media platform for that matter, you'll find person after person posting about all of their successes. Their amazing vacations, their beautiful home, their expensive car, their exquisite meal they're eating at XYZ expensive restaurant, list is endless. Bottom line, everybody seems to be living a more successful and happier life than you. Human nature is to want success and to reject failure. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never once woken up in the morning telling myself that I can't wait to have terrible things happen to me that day. Nobody enjoys losing, at least nobody I know. And here's the thing about losing, though. Losing always teaches us a valuable lesson. Losing teaches us what not to do. I've learned the most whenever I've made a mistake, and I'm willing to bet you did too. That's what learning is, after all. Not whether we lose the game, but how we lose and how we've changed because of it and what we take away from it that we never had before. To apply to other games. Losing, then, in a curious way, is winning. Which brings me to my next point. Your rock bottom may look way different than my experience or anybody else's experience. It doesn't make your story, though, any less or more important. When it comes to talking about addiction of any kind, especially alcohol addiction, it's not okay to ask someone why they are sober, or about their rock-bottom moment. If you come across someone who chooses to be sober, that person is likely pretty awesome, and maybe even openly discusses sobriety. But it's up to them to share their story with who they want and when they want to. The rule of thumb is to focus on actively listening, not asking them to share their intimate life details with you, but to let them open up and share Their mistakes and what they've learned, so in turn, we can learn too. And today, I want us to do just that as we become active listeners of this week's storyteller, Colin. From Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm JD, and this is story number 37 of the What's Your Story podcast from rock bottom to redemption. Thank you.
1: 39-year-old um, now a father of a 10-month-old boy. Oh, lovely. Um, I have four years as of January 2nd of sobriety. So my sobriety date is January 2nd of 2019. Beautiful. Beautiful. And um, uh, that is the day that I entered rehab in Steamboat Springs, Colorado for alcohol. Um. I don't think that any form of addiction is better or worse or different. I consider some people like to say that they're a recovering alcoholic, which I I, I do say that, but I also say that I'm an addict uh, because I don't think there's a difference between a a, a drug addiction or a heroin addiction and a, and a um, an alcohol addiction, um, except for the the choice of use of substance. Yeah. And um, maybe the the time that you use it and, and, and how it goes about the actual practical yeah. effects of that, but but the same the same issues happen, the same problems occur, the same stories are there. Yeah. And and that is is something that so so nobody's in my opinion addiction is the the the, the drug of choice or addiction of choice is no different. It do- doesn't matter.
0: Doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I
1: can believe that. Some some people choose t- to to see it another way, and that's that's to them. I don't begrudge anybody. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm 39 and been married for uh, six years now, seven years. Um, and I'm a uh, an attorney by practice or, or by t- trade, and a, and a politician, and now I'm a policy. Government relations officer for a, for a company, um, and uh, addiction alcoholism is the family business. My uh, my sister is in recovery. My mother drank herself to death, and my father uh, he ended up falling down the stairs one morning. Um, don't early in the morning and um, had a brain breed. Brain bleed. Um, can't attribute that to alcohol, but he was an active alcoholic at the time. Yeah. He had gotten sober recently um, because my sister was pregnant with her first child. And so he was attempting to go sober. So we don't know. And ultimately, yeah. ultimately it really doesn't matter. Yeah. My mother did commit suicide by alcohol. Um, just because she, after... 10 years after my dad died, she couldn't, uh, couldn't deal, with, yeah. deal with it anymore. Yeah, um, the weight of
0: that grief, yeah.
1: Yeah, and my timeline is is not much different than many, many people. Um, in high school, growing up, I, I, I had a very loving and wonderful family um, growing up. Two, two parents who stayed married until um, death did them part. Um, all loved each other very much. Obviously there was there's trouble, no matter in any in, in any marriage. And um yeah. they were probably high functioning alcoholics. Um and so I learned a little bit about that family business there. My dad's mom was also an alcoholic. I come I've come to find out. Um and so it's it's been that history there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I went to had had a, like I said a, a wonderful child loving childhood growing up, but alcohol was always present in the household. Present. Yeah, um, I really wasn't a big drinker in high school; more of a um, uh, marijuana user, recreational marijuana. Um, nothing like crazy or
0: yeah
1: or anything like that. Just what high school kids in suburban Detroit do. Um, and so you can think about it as you know a. a lower to middle middle class upbringing yeah uh, you know marijuana is there that's what you there. <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't get in any trouble um ultimately went to marquette university in milwaukee where um i learned to drink um and had a had a pretty good academic career with some some bumps in some in the road at the beginning but um graduated in four and a half years of a lot of fun, yeah. And then um, moved to Chicago and continued uh, partying and drinking. In um, Chicago, for people in their young twenties, is, is a is a definitely yeah. a party. <laughs> The bars are open until five a.m. on weekends. Yeah, and two a.m. on weeknights, and they encourage yeah. you to stay out late. And so, <sighs> Milwaukee to Chicago, and then I went to law school in Boston. So, oh. Well. I the um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, you know, in a lot, lot of uh, heavily alcoholic cities. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of fun. And I, I was one of those guys who was always able to keep pace or out drink my friends. And, um, you know, drink. I, I would drink four or five nights a week out at the bars. But I was able to work well and have good jobs and go to law school and. Uh, make friends and have relationships. met my wife in Boston and we um, traveled eventually to, she grew up in Colorado and eventually I followed her out to Colorado and we live in the mountains of Colorado now. Nice. Um, And so um, we got settled up here. Um, Some people might uh, in this area might know my name because my wife started her own law firm. I got involved in that as a criminal defense attorney and a civil litigator. And then um, I decided to, I was tagged by the Democratic Party to run for public office out here. I've always been engaged in politics and problem solving. And in yeah. 2016, 2017, there was kind of an upsetness in the country. And I thought maybe I could do some good.
0: There's something, yeah.
1: And, um I ran for a state house in Western Colorado in a, a very republican area, and um had a, had a wonderful time doing it, but I was an active alcoholic during that campaign
0: yeah
1: um didn't show up to any events drunk or do anything politically drunk or or anything like that, but um you know there would always be uh liquor afterwards let me drink something uh, yeah yeah not not a big overall deal. Um, or a huge problem After that election I did get a DUI When I went back to visit my mother In Michigan And um, she uh, she Was in and out of the hospital For her own alcoholism At that time And so prior a- After that DUI I was put on What they call pretrial services Which is like kind of like a probationary period Yeah, While the case is going on And during that time, I tried to remain sober, um, and I found myself for some periods of time I was able to, some days I couldn't.
0: Not as easy, yeah.
1: And uh, it just wasn't easy to do, and and I was lying to my wife, lying to myself. And then on New Year's Day of 2019, so New Year's Eve 2018, went out to a friend's house and I didn't drink. And the New Year's Day of 2019, I promised my wife I wouldn't drink, and I wasn't able to. She went snowshoeing, and I was, by the time she got back, I was drunk. But at some point in that time frame, on that yeah. day, I made a phone call. And I called, I had been, in, as a criminal defense attorney, I'd worked with some alcoholics and some probation officers and people in, this com- in the community that I, that I live in. And I was able to reach out to somebody in a small town out here at a, um, at a treatment center. And that treatment center wasn't right for me, but they made a phone call. And that phone call that they made, that person called me back and I actually answered the phone. And when I answered that phone, um, they took my history, they took my information, they took my insurance information and they got me a bed the next day to an inpatient center and my wife drove me four and a half hours the next day and uh, dropped me off and then picked me up 28 days later
0: this podcast is proudly sponsored by better help therapy is something that should be taken seriously and while this may be another sponsored ad my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year i've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity i can sit here all day and tell you to seek help but the truth is We're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy, exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships, or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to join the millions of people myself included who are seeing what online therapy is really about this it's always a good time to invest in yourself because You're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping.
1: And, um, it was the best experience of my life.
0: Yeah, you could tell.
1: And um, I, I still tear up yeah. when I think about that. Um, it was the hardest drive I've ever done. I can imagine. Yeah. I didn't know. If I didn't know if she would be there twenty-eight days later. Twenty days. Yeah. She knew she would. <laughs> um, and. All of the, my friends that I went in with that were my friends remained. Um, yeah, didn't lose anybody that I. Um, maybe a few drinking people. Right. Um, but they weren't really friends, friends so much. They weren't there to begin with. Yeah. Yep. And so I've been luckily through AA and hard work and everything like that, sober ever since. Um, and since then, I have turned a, a leaf in my practice. And as a lawyer, I became a, an, an addiction attorney, as I called it. I would only represent clients who I talked to about their addictions and yeah. had addiction crimes, DUIs, multiple DUIs, uh, failures to appear because
0: because of that, yeah,
1: because of that, or multiple drug tests that were positive because of addiction and um, I was able to, to assess different levels of people who wanted to get help and tried to help them um, I figured my political cam- career was over um, because of the stigma yeah. um, and luckily for me it wasn't I was able to the next actually in 2018 or 2020 i should say um with the help of a therapist and my wife and my friends decided to run for that same state house seat again and leaning into my that addiction yeah. the addiction and making it public yeah uh my opponent who ended up beating me in a very um, once again republican district is one of my best friends and we wow. worked on um, He calls them behavioral health bills. I call them mental health bills and addiction treatment bills. And we worked on, he came to me the day after the election was over and said, what do you want me to do in this realm? And I'll do it. And um, so that was great. And then um, some people reached out to me and I was able to take that to a bigger platform and ultimately running for for a contentious seat in Congress and the Democratic platform. And that message got a little bit national and some attention and helped some people. And so I had some feedback that some people got some help because of it. So I was able to try to take my message beyond that stigma. And that told me a little bit that and I, I received pushback, like, oh, I can't have even from, from diehard party members would refuse to vote for me because of my past. And I said that that's fine, that's fine, that um, that's that's your choice. I I know what I'm doing, and what I'm doing is right. Yeah. And um, and I had some. One woman called me that after watching my ad that, that I that's entitled This Is My Message. Um after watching that that ad, he asked her to take him to rehab. <laughs> and um he's still remain in contact with him today and he's been sober since. True. So it's beautiful. It
0: beautiful. So that's coming so, kind to of my story. Uh, <laughs> it's a great story. I and I, I, I think more than anything I love the fact that it, it It still hits you and it just goes to show you that you know you're once you're on that path of recovery or healing or whatever you want to call it, like you're just on it like and that's okay that you never get off it, but it just goes to show you how how meaningful it is just hearing you tell it um
1: it is and one thing that I've noticed over the past two years is how many television shows or have a character who is in—they—they they don't even mention it prominently. They say I was in I was in recovery, yeah, or say the words experience strength and, then, and hope, yeah.
0: Um, and just gone.
1: It it, it, it it has an impact on me, and I think it, yeah. it's starting to make that. The more we can do that, the more that's built into into uh, public culture, pop culture like that. The better it is. The more politicians out there who show themselves as being not fair for—I mean, so many politicians have a DUI and have have addiction struggles. They don't actually end up talking about it. They hide behind somebody. It.
0: Somebody else talks about it for them and makes it sound like it's this terrible thing when it really—it's it's not. It is. It's not. It, but it and it. But it's terrible probably for them. Like they feel terrible about themselves, yep. and they're probably working through that. And you, you just kind of slap them in the face with something that is you know so traumatic you know for somebody and probably trying to still work through it you know
1: it it made sense for me my mom died four months into my sobriety, so april of 2019 was when she died four months into my sobriety and i was in a program called at the time called iop intensive outpatient therapy uh it's a step down from inpatient rehab right You go to these different programs, and and then there are some... I was lucky to have a a very good intensive outpatient therapy program near my house, so I didn't need to go to sober living. I was able to live at home with my wife, and um, which was great. Uh, Some people, that's not possible, or it's not not good for them. Luckily, in my situation, it was. It worked, Um, yeah. It worked. My wife's father is also along this path so so there's a lot of help there yeah uh, but I elected to IOP at this program is three months long and so I did a month in rehab and I was just about to to graduate from that program quote unquote yeah. um, and I asked if I could stay for another year for another month just in case just, just to see case. what would happen yeah and they said yes but that's it because we can't be a crutch
0: sure yeah
1: and I thought that was very respectful of them.
0: Absolutely. I mean, how many people are strong enough to tell to tell somebody going through something like that, you know, <laughs> something that would potentially be like, well, well, wait a minute, you're not going to help me, but it's not. They really are helping you. But you know, mm-hmm. at, at first, you know, hearing that is like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, like I don't know how to swim just yet. I can keep myself afloat. You nope. know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and 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 I like that because I didn't want. To have to, to be a crutch there, or, yeah. or have them as a crutch, because that's what alcohol was, was for me. It was a crutch to allow crutch. me to 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 do what I needed to do to to handle emotions for so long. Yeah, and um, I needed sobriety to not be a crutch, but I needed it to be the tools that I
0: that I had to stand on my own. Yeah, as you as you go through doing the work and and you know continue to to put the message out there, <laughs> looking back like. Were there things that you noticed, you know, as you were in school and you know first started drinking that yeah, this is why? Because you know you said that you know you had like your, your parents were like high functioning, so you couldn't really tell. But you know, do you, does it make sense now as to why you were on that path, or is it like no, nah, this was my own path all 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 the time anyway?
1: It, it, I wasn't destined to it. Often, yeah, but it definitely makes complete sense that. I I I learned some traits from my parents, yeah, both good and bad. Um, Sure, oh, absolutely. And in this instance, some some coping mechanisms that weren't weren't the greatest. And what I did after rehab was then I went to a non-alcohol specialist. Like it wasn't an alcohol therapist. (laughs) Uh, It was it was somebody to help just get in touch with my depression and anxiety. And the emotions, the underlying causes of my Right. Because that's definitely there at the same time, right? Yep. Yeah. So why I was self-treating. And that is where I really found out the root causes of some things. And that's one thing that I need to do. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't cleared the cobwebs. Yeah. And then also been working with my sponsor to do the steps to forgive myself. For the wrongs that I had caused other people and for yeah. those wrongs. And you know, I not everybody has to go to AA to get sober. Not everybody yeah. has to do a twelve step program. It's what I needed to do. That's what I there's not one path and I don't tell anybody to go down that path. One thing that I will say about AA though is that it's not necessarily a lot of people think of it as a program to make amends to the outside world. And there is a portion of that. Sure, yeah. Really, what you are doing is you are forgiving yourself, yeah, for those wrongs that you caused to other people, yeah. And if they don't want to accept your apology, that's on them.
0: That's on them, yeah.
1: But you are you are figuring out a way to forgive yourself for the harm that you caused them because you yeah. carry that baggage much more than they do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So going back to that day that you, the, the phone rings and you pick it up now with a more clear head, what, what caused you to pick up that phone? And then fast forward, you know, the, the time spent there, like you said, you, you your wife knew that she was coming back in 28 days, but you didn't, yeah. what, what does that do for the mindset? Cause you could see it go in two different yeah. directions it's like, well, here I am at a very low point and I'm probably going to be even lower when I walk out of here because they're gone yep. or you know, you could have some kind of hope. So talk to talk to me about that.
1: My biggest fear while I was in there was losing her. Yeah. Um. And I learned a lot about the fear of catastrophizing. Yeah. And that is something that people call it going down the rabbit hole or something like yep. that. And I think that that is something that alcoholics or addicts, do very very well, yeah. Um, and live in that in that catastrophized moment. Of yeah. This will happen. Not this could happen. This will happen. And so I had a lot of good support in in that in that facility. Um, guys that I still talk to to this day, uh, four years later. Um, now, why I answered that phone call, I still to don't. I don't know. Still don't know. Still don't know. I still (laughs) don't know what what caused me to pick up the phone that day and make that phone call. I do know the reason that I thought to make the phone call was because I told my wife I wouldn't drink and I couldn't not drink. But I don't know what was different about that time. That day. that Than than any other time that I told her I wasn't going to drink and couldn't not drink. Interesting. Um, And... I'm lucky enough. I could walk to a liquor store where I live. So that was was fine. Um, Didn't always do that, but you know, uh, that was fine. But the, uh, the one thing I do do is every January 1st, I call those same four people. Interesting. Um, I'm sure they're sick of me, but
0: (laughs) I doubt it. I doubt that. I'm sure they see it just the same, you know, that it's, they're at least part of, because a lot of times, you know, know our nature is to want to fix and you know we kind of spit out just what we know and sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not but you're probably just helping them answer that that it's like i don't know what this is doing this is you know maybe they maybe they think it's silly but it's like at some point they probably are sitting there going this is doing something you know to keep him on that path and that's that's a great thing you know
1: maybe it helps them the next day deal with the next person that calls them yeah, and if if that's true then that, that's great because Yeah.
0: I know if they weren't there I wouldn't be here. And that's what they're being reminded of. I mean, how often do people get that reminder, you know? I think I think it goes both ways, you know, that it, you're both both getting something valuable from that. Yep. Yeah. Um and and so to to finish my story, this is
1: the this is the the bow that I will put on it and although <laughs> um I've never I am a grateful and fearful alcoholic is what I say. Um, I have a healthy fear of relapse. Um, yeah. There are people that can go back and have a drink or two and live the rest of their lives, one or two beers. And then there are plenty of people who will go back and have one or two drinks. And then that won't be enough. And then they'll, they'll be gone. Yeah. Maybe they'll get back out of it again. I don't know if I'll be the first or the second type. And I don't see enough joy in the first type To try and and risk this type, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. And um, the day that my congressional campaign ended was April fifth of twenty twenty two, and it ended at seven p.m. At ten thirty that morning, my son was born. Interesting. um, I retired from being a politician that day. Yeah. and, um, And so I would not
0: be able to do it with him. Yeah. Without the four years that I had before, yeah. that. I mean, I, I'm I'm two years and added another six month old to the mix, the mix there. So I I, I can definitely attest to the, the the feelings there that it you know, especially and I can imagine you know going through you know what you're going through and having that
1: that it's, moment you know
0: and you, it, it's I mean however whoever you want to believe in whatever you want to say right it's it's affirming in some way if you're paying attention that here's your here's your wake up call. Here's your sign. Here's your moment to to really take stock and what what's going on in your life, you know, whatever, wherever that is for you, you know,
1: that's kind of the bow and how it's yeah worked out so well for me. Um, and I, a, I, I say that's the bow on it for now because I don't keeps going. Life keeps going, and and I don't pretend to have this or know what I'm doing. No. Um, Nor do I want to
0: believe that. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. What's Your Story is produced by me, J.D., with background piano music by Chad Lawson. These beautiful, inspiring, wonderful stories—they're all yours, listener. So, if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org/slash/tell-your-story. If there's something that rang a bell with you today, or something that truly touched your heart in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd.jedi@fragilemoments.org, or you could just tag the show at at StorySharingPod on Twitter as well as Instagram. Thanks once again for choosing to listen, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song, yet unsung.